very good to see all of you and especially to see you visiting with one another. We're going to uh, do something a little different tonight. We're going to try to honor um, some requests that we've had to uh, make the class better, to facilitate uh, your involvement and uh, maybe you being able to hear better. Some have said, I can't hear the comments and I know the uh, people who are listening uh, via live stream uh, can hear some of the discussion and maybe some of the verses that are read. So it may slow us down a little bit, but not enough uh, that it will hamper us. I think it will increase the quality. Um, so Brother Jeremy and Brother Rick both have the handheld mics. So if you wish to comment or answer a question, you need to raise your hand. I'm sorry, I don't mean to treat you like children, so that we can bring you a mic, okay? So that those who struggle with hearing can hear you better, and so that those in the live stream. So if you're going to volunteer to read, now I don't mean uh, the fact that we're going to live mic you means that you no longer are going to volunteer to read or to uh, participate. Nod your head like this. Okay, um, is it just me or do others of you, before we really get started, do others of you get a little scary feeling inside when JT grins at you? I'm just kidding. When he starts grinning, I don't know if he's about to agree with me or if he's plotting something. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, thank you for being here. By way of announcement, uh, please remember, of course, those on our sick list, uh, we have a lengthy number, and especially right now, Sister Juanice Floyd uh, has been moved to a different room, and I don't think we know her room, uh, where she's going to be just yet, but at Northeast Mississippi Medical Center, uh, she did um, suffer a broken hip and had surgery, and she was very fortunate, uh, I think blessed, that when they took her in, the surgeon on call was the surgeon who did her surgery before and was able to basically remove what he'd done before and repair it even better. So uh, she's doing well for the time being. Uh, Sister Patrilla Maddox continues in rehab at uh, Baptist Memorial Hospital in Oxford. Becky Kendrick is at home following knee surgery. Joe Garrett is at home following knee surgery and hopefully both of them are continuing Joe's in the audience. Uh, Joe was at home from knee surgery, and now he's back, uh, doing better from knee surgery. But that's when I read that, I thought I saw him uh, uh, Sunday. Um, but I guess he's still at home, but he's doing well. Good. Pat Green and Kevin Cook both were uh, both scheduled for surgery this week, and both of those have been rescheduled. So remember those in your prayers. And we're so thankful that prayers have been answered. Um, there are still volunteers needed, a few slots left to help with the Pine Bell Luncheon on June the 8th. If you can help with this, please sign in the foyer. Uh, the kindergarten through sixth grade classes or uh, young people will have a family food and fun night this, this Sunday night. Meet at the new Kids Town after evening services, bring desserts and lawn chairs. Uh, we will eat in the middle pavilion. Hot dogs, chips, and drinks will be provided. See Guy or Amelia Gardner if you have questions. And if you have children that age, please participate. Instead of uh, the VBS, as you know, this year as an outreach, we are doing something called um, 
Saturday Bible camp for our uh, group, our children, kindergarten, or uh, sixth grade and down. I'm very excited that, that as time passes, more of those slots are getting filled up. The one thing I would ask is that you pray about that and that uh, if you're planning on your children, your grandchildren being here, that you will let me or Sister Jimmy know so we can kind of get an idea of uh, the planning involved with that. But thank you for uh, participating in that. Um, and as always, I asked for boxes. I didn't get one box or two boxes. I got two garbage bags full of boxes, um, and they're still coming. I appreciate you for uh, doing that. Um, the, FHU, the FHU Associates will host the annual Saturday luncheon on Friday, June the 25th from 11 to 12.30. This will be takeout only, tickets available from any associate, and all proceeds, of course, go to the scholarship for our Freed Hardeman students. Now, let's uh, turn our mind to the Word of God tonight and begin with a word of prayer. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we are mindful and thankful of your goodness and your grace. We are so thankful that those of our numbers who have been sick, who have had surgery, have, are on the road to recovery and are able to be with us even tonight. And Father, we are mindful of others who are not yet to that point. And we pray for those who are facing surgeries and those who are recovering from surgeries, and those who are dealing with loss and those who are struggling. Father, be with them as only you can. Tonight, Lord, as we think uh, into the days ahead, we pray that you will bless the uh, efforts at Pinevale. We pray that you will bless the efforts with the children's get-together, and we pray that you'll bless our efforts in our Saturday Bible camp and all of those who are participating, that good would be done to your glory and in your service. And with that in mind, may we study your truth tonight, thinking about being sharers of your truth to those who are lost, and learn what you would have us to learn, and then apply that. In Jesus we pray, amen. Now tonight, if you look on the screen, this is Lesson 5, and we are talking about personal evangelism. In my way of a very quick review, the idea is simply this. Teaching someone who is lost the saving gospel of Christ. Me, personally, being the one who influences that person with the truth. Sharing that truth with another individual, another person who has a soul. How am I going to be effective in doing that? As I think about it, as I study it in detail, that's what we're doing. And so we had come last week to the second part of a lesson, uh, three essentials, three things that I believe as we study it from the Word of God, three principles, three practices, three applications that are absolutely essential. That means they have to be there in order for us to be effective in our efforts However those efforts look in your life, and we'll get to, Lord willing, the part of this study where we understand those efforts are going to look differently. Gospel won't change, but our opportunities will, and our approaches will, our styles will, because we are all different. And the people we contact are different. We'll come to that. But the first thing, but by way of quick review, that we must understand, and I'm not expecting you to, well, that's 
a little better than I thought. There are some things we have to understand, and we dug into that in two lessons already. So by way of review, there must be understanding. We have to understand that the world is lost. We have to understand that the lost will indeed be lost. And that means eternity without God. Eternity in a devil's hell, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what lost is. We have to understand that. We have to understand that those who don't obey the gospel, those who reject the saving gospel of Christ presented uh, from God himself through his servants, if I refuse that, I'm lost. And I, under, I have to understand that those who are Christians, those who are um, in the body of Christ, have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. If I reject that, if I walk away from that, if I fall from that, however you want to put it, that I too will be lost. Just as those who never obeyed the gospel. And I have to understand, number five, that time is not on my side. Now, and we press that point by saying... It does take time sometimes to teach someone. Patience is involved in that. The urgency is on our part. Yes, I have to prepare. And yes, I have to, but I have to start. I have to start. Uh, it makes me think, and I, and I want us to, before we get too far into this, it makes me think of something that I read uh, from a professional writer. And I love to teach writing to students. And, but there's all kinds of excuses of why we can't do something. But every journey, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And the hardest thing for a rider to do is to actually start. Once you start, then everything begins to open up. But to actually take that first and so... That's the urgency on airport. Time is not on our side. We must begin. Do what we need to do to get ready. Do what we need to do to put ourselves in the right place, but get started. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted, we very quickly last week ran through this, and I wanted to finish because it's too powerful a point. The conclusion of last week's lesson, understanding that the lost indeed are lost, those who don't obey the gospel are lost. Those who fall away are lost. Time is not on our side. We've got to get busy. We must develop a burden for souls. I, I didn't coin that phrase. I borrowed it. What does that mean if you have a burden for something? Not the idea of a, a burden as a, 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 a something that's holding me back, something that's a, a, a problem. But if I have a burden on my heart, what's that mean? Say that again. Something that won't leave you alone. And y'all are going to have to remind me. Sorry, when I ask a question, raise your hand and let them come to you. That's my fault. Don't shake your head. Because Brother Floyd can't hear you. Okay, uh, that's what he told me. I'm not picking on him. That's what he said. Okay, a burden for souls means that it bothers me. It bothers me. Now, if you want to, and you say, well, people don't get bothered about anything anymore. People don't have burdens, things that get under their saddle and, and make them, uh, uh, if you don't believe that, you need to get on Facebook. I, I look at Facebook every night uh, just to, to remind me of uh, why I want to go to sleep. Uh, 
because uh, I surely don't want to read all that. Uh, uh, people get all upset. Well, I don't know if you follow baseball or not, but the, the Pine Grove uh, game the other day, oh, everybody's shaking your head because, man, people had a burden about that umpire, didn't he? And uh, <laughs> they had a lot to say about it. Okay, when I say a burden for souls, it bothers me when I stop and think that every 21 seconds a person dies without the Lord and that 50 million people die every year. Now, I'm no mathematician. Listen, I'm telling you, um, I don't teach math. I teach English. And one of my uh, math whiz kids came in and told, uh, yeah, Sister Anita teaches math. And a kid came in and told me a joke during first period that he'd heard from the math teacher. said, it was wintertime. He said, uh, when it's cold, you need to sit in the corner because it's always 90 degrees. I didn't get that till lunch. And it, I said, oh, that's funny. Because math and I don't go along very well. But when I let that sink in, the four billionth person was born on March 27th, 1976. Interesting statistic. And that 70 million people are born more than, 70 million more are born than die. You just let that begin to think about that if you were looking on a, on a uh, population chart. And if we convert 300,000 souls a year, if we got on fire, if we had such a burden for souls that we uh, pulled out all the stops and we managed alone to convert 300,000 souls, this congregation, that's only four one-thousandths of one percent of the actual population. Now, I don't have to know math to know that that's, that's overwhelming. So a burden for souls is, do I have a burden for souls? Do I let that cause me to say, okay, I don't know what I can do, but I know I have to do. Now, let me start figuring out what I can do. So, first of all, there has to be an understanding for me to be effective at teaching, influencing other people with the truth. But second, I have to suggest that effective personal evangelism involves knowledge. I'll tell you right now, this is part one of two parts. Because it's easy to build a wall and say, well, there's so much I do not know. Well, that's true. Got it. We'll, we'll come to that later. That's part two. We're not even going to address that tonight. But I want us to address this. In order for you and me to be effective in whatever capacity I can in sharing the truth with someone who is lost, being effective involves knowledge. Okay? Knowledge. True or false? True or false? There are some things that we must know before we can teach or influence a lost soul with the gospel of Jesus Christ. True or false? True. The consensus is true. That there are some things we must know. Okay. Now, here comes the question. Raise your hand if you want to answer this. Because it's only fair to those who, uh, who need, the, uh, need to want to hear it. What are some things, some of those things? You said it was true that there are some things that we must know, I must know, you must know, in order, before we can teach or influence a lost soul. You said true. Okay, what are some of those things? Well, what are some of those things? Now, 
Come on, raise your hand. Now, if some of y'all got on the prices right, you'd be raising your hand for that fellow to run over there with that. We must know that we are lost without Jesus as our Savior. Okay. We, ha we have to know. Now, wait a minute. Why do I have to know that? Because I, I, I'm already saved. I'm supposed to be te I'm teaching them. It doesn't matter about me. She says, I have to know that I'm saved. What's that got to do with anything? She's right. But Say it again. Romans 2 says if you want to teach somebody, you need to teach yourself first. That's right. Okay. You have to teach yourself first. It makes me think of the passage in, I always get this one mixed up. I think it's 2 Timothy, uh, where Paul said, it may be first, I always mix those two up. When he said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Did you hear the I in that? Sometimes eyes are a problem because I, it's not about me. But in that case, it is because he said, I am persuaded and I know, I have to know that I'm saved. I have to know because what happens if I'm not sure of my own salvation based on the gospel and I'm trying to t teach somebody else? Well, I'm, I'm not going to do a very good job of it, am I? Or I'm going to be easily confused. So yeah, we have to know that. Anybody else? Just like everything else, Jeremy, this, this will come. Y'all hey, mess with me. I'll buy one of these for everybody in the room. And then the next thing, the annex class will be building on out there because there'll be nobody in here, right? Okay. I want us to think about this. Let's read some verses. Look at some passages with me. Effective personal evangelism involves knowledge. First, let's go to 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4. Now, if you would read this, raise your hand and let Jeremy or Rick bring your mic. So we can all hear it. I want you to listen for the word knowledge here. What's interesting is there are four scriptures and the same Greek word is translated knowledge in all four. Okay, Jeremy? I'll just take it. <clears throat> Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ... To those who have observed, obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who calls us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Did you hear all of those blessings? Partakers of the divine knowledge, escape the pollution of the world. And two times we are told in that passage how that comes to pass. He has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. That salvation, that escape from the pollution of the world, that salvation that promise, great and, pre great and precious promise, comes where? From the knowledge. Now, let me give you the definition before we read Hebrews 10 and verse 26. Rick, you may have that one. Um, 
that particular word is very simple. When it's translated, that Greek word means precise and correct knowledge of divine things or important things. Precise and correct knowledge. So that's the knowledge he's talking about. Actually, the precise, the correct knowledge information about the things that are important, about the divine things. So we'll put it in context. That's how we escape those pollutions. That's how we become partakers of the divine nature. That's how we... Oh. Now, in Hebrews 10 and verse 26, listen to this passage. Got it, Rick? Yeah. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Okay. If we go on sinning willfully... After we receive the what? The knowledge of the truth. So there he's talking about those who reject, those who leave, those who... But he said, after we receive the, the what? The knowledge, the precise, the correct, the complete information or, or uh, about divine things. After we receive those things. Okay. So I want you to get a pattern here. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Now, we mentioned 2 Peter chapter 2 last week. Have you got it? Hmm? Got it? 2 Peter 2, all right. Hang on. The mic's coming. All right. Or if they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord, the Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse than the beginning. For it had been better for them not have known the way of rashness than that they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Wait, did you hear that? Did you hear turn from the holy commandments? Better not to have known the way of righteousness. But what did he say in, the very, in verse 20? After they have received the what? The knowledge. It's the exact same word. So what's the pattern here? Those who escaped the pollutions of the world, those who were going to uh, realize that Jesus is the Son of God and be able to become children of God through Christ, that is never going to happen without the knowledge of truth. Call it the way of righteousness. Call it what you will. But the way of righteousness and the divine, uh, being a partaker of the divine nature, the great and precious promise, all of that comes through this knowledge. And that word, by definition, means the precise and correct knowledge about things that are divine. So, now, what does that tell us? I have to have an understanding that, okay, if I'm going to have a burden for souls, I want to be a part of helping someone else escape the pollutions of the world, first and foremost, I have to understand there's knowledge involved. The knowledge of truth, the way of truth, the way of righteousness. So I have to, and y'all were absolutely right, I have to have that in me first. Okay, so that's a foundation I want us to lay here as we think about it. And thank you for reading, by the way. And some of these we'll go through quickly because we've already read them. We may not even read them all out loud. But uh, um, I don't know if I can uh, let Luther read anymore. Did y'all hear what he said? 
uh, I'm, you hadn't got there right. I said, hang on, the mic's coming when you got there. He said, hello, Mike. Luther, behave yourself. Milton, don't laugh at him. It just encourages him. Um, okay, let me say something right here. I hope that none of you, this is something I have begun to do in my classroom uh, as a public school teacher. I hope you understand that I'm not being belligerent or disrespectful about the Word of God because I'm laughing and because we're, we can enjoy one another's presence and enjoy learning from the Word of God. Now, we have to take it seriously. When we, and, this, and it is serious. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. Who would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, so the truth cannot be accessed without the knowledge. Who gives the knowledge? We just read it in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. God does. So knowledge is absolutely essential. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 8, we read it last week. Uh, taking uh, vengeance on those who know not God and who do not obey the gospel. Do you hear the knowledge there? Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But he who would come to God must believe that he is... And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, would you agree, if you're talking to someone about their soul and you said, you have to believe God is real, are they going to agree with you or disagree with you? Now, if they are trying to move away from whatever, they're, they're going to agree that God is real. They believe in God, absolutely. Have faith in God. And as long as you have faith, pretty much everything else is left up to your own opinion. That's wrong. Now, how do you know that's wrong? I mean, that's just your opinion, right? I had someone say to me, that's just your opinion. Well, you know, let's read these two, though, before I address that. In Romans 1, 16 and 17, you got it, Rick? For I'm not ashamed... Of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now watch this. Hebrews eleven six, piece of the puzzle. Without faith you can't please God. You can't come to God unless you believe that He is and that He rewards those who sincerely or diligently seek Him. I believe that, absolutely. The gospel is the power of God to save people. For in it is the righteousness of God. Remember earlier, we talked about the way of righteousness. Those who left it. Therein, the gospel is found the righteousness of God from what? Faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Oh wait, so where do I find faith? In the gospel. And Hebrews 10 and verse 17 says... Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes, go ahead, say it, by the Word of God. By the Word of God. Okay, so have we laid a foundation, have we laid a foundation that 
makes it absolutely clear to us that in order for us to be effective as personal evangelists, and I'm, I'm going to shy away from that word because for some reason we give it a, not a taboo, that's the wrong, uh, we somehow create a straw man, we create an entity that scares us. That's something I can't do, personal evangelism. That's, I'm a personal evangelist. No, that's, that's, I can't do that. Well, then, okay, don't do that. Then you influence someone with the truth that resides in your heart that you know because you live it every day and show it to someone in a way they'll want to obey it and then show them how. Oh, I can do that. Well, that's what, that's what I want you to do. That's as simple as it is. Now, I didn't say it was always simple. Knowledge is important. Okay, and we're going to, uh, I want to lay one more. Um, true or false? True or false? As a Christian, based on the verses we just read, as a child of God, true or false, I must be totally convinced that the tool that saves the lost of every accountable man and woman is the gospel of Christ. True. I have to be convinced that the tool that saves the lost. Now, if there are any car salesmen in here, please don't think I'm being rude about car salesmen. I promise you I'm not. But I am a person with decision anxiety. Uh, in fact, I had to buy some, I bought something at Walmart today. And I went back, you laugh, I don't care, laugh at me. It's, it's funny, it's sad, but it's funny. I went back to the aisle three times before I actually bought it. And actually picked it up once. Because that's just the way I do things. And so therefore, I, I'm an unhappy person on a car lot with a pushy salesman. But a, a salesman of any kind, what is it that he's absolutely convinced of when he walks into your space? That you need that car. And he's got the deal for you. If he wasn't convinced of that, he wouldn't be in that job very long, would he? He's convinced that he knows what he can do and he wants you, what he wants you to do. He's convinced. Now, you take that and take it out of car sales, you take it out of anything that's unimportant and you put it into saving souls, using the gospel, showing others the truth. I have to be convinced that the tool, the only thing that's going to save you is in here. So my goal is to get you in contact with that. I won't do it perfectly because I'm not perfect. And I'm going to share something with you in just a minute before we run out of time. Uh, that I think will address that good. We're, we're actually early tonight. <laughs> Put should write that down. That won't happen much. Um, but I wrote this down because I want you to think about it. And our mic people may get busy because I want you to, to talk to me. But a wise man once said, I, I love this and I wrote it down, that if you have 10 minutes to chop down a tree or forfeit your life, you've got to chop this tree down in 10 minutes, or you forfeit, you give up your life, you die. Now, most of us, in our frenzy of urgency, would grab that axe and start whacking. But this wise man said you would be wise to spend the first seven minutes sharpening your axe. Because you can do more in three minutes with a sharp axe than you can in 10 minutes with a dull one. Now, is that a pretty understandable principle? Yes or no? Well, yeah, okay. 
So learn how to share the truth of God's Word with the lost. Learn how to share the truth. There's where we get into part two next week. There's where the conundrum comes in because there are so many things that create barriers or we create barriers in our own mind. What if I don't know enough? What if I get a question that I don't know? Okay, before we address that, let's talk about this. Do you think, I'm not asking for any admissions, but do you think that we have ever, that anybody, let me rephrase, do you think it's ever been the case that someone who had good intentions, a child of God with good intentions, actually did maybe more harm than good or didn't accomplish the, the goal of the say, saving a soul because we went at it with a dull axe and we were just, hmm? Absolutely, because we were just whacking away, but we weren't really accomplishing anything. There's where we have to, and you get that. Now, I'm going to tell something on myself. It's the absolute truth. I'm ashamed of it, but I've learned from it. I was a second-year student at the Memphis School of Preaching in 1986, a long time ago, okay? Don't grin. I know you weren't born. Okay. Um, and, you know, if you know anything, the School of Preaching has a very uh, strong Bible program. And sometimes you get a little too zealous and too big for your britches if you're not careful. But then I went to Fried Hardeman and got all that fixed, as they say. Uh, but I was a second-year Bible student to Memphis School of Preaching. <clears throat> And I had my own Bible. It had my name on it. And I knew stuff. Man, I knew all kinds of stuff. Bring it on. That was my, I didn't realize it for years that that's how I felt. But I knocked on my apartment door. Two very meek young ladies who were a part of a group, a religious group that went door to door and asked you to uh, take one of their handouts, their pamphlets, I'm not going to call anybody's name, but they were very, very nice. We came in and talked, and I set up a Bible study with them. And in my mind, okay, Bible study. Those two young ladies came back, and they brought with them an elderly lady who had her own Bible. And she wore me out. She said things that I knew were false, and she twisted me sideways. And when she left, I told Lisa, I said, I may go to the, I'm not going to be saved. You know, how could I have done that? I mean, I knew, wait a minute, what happened? I, 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 I knew just enough truth to get myself in trouble. But I thought too highly of myself. That takes me back to Romans 12, 1, 2, and 3. 1 and 2 says, uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, your reasonable service. Verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In the very same breath, he said, now don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Remember how you got to where you were in the first place. So, I've learned a lot. I'll always remember that. If I had not been so strongly grounded in my own faith, I'd have followed them out 
to their own place of worship because she, she tore me up. Because I didn't understand what I needed to understand. So, in other words, I needed to sharpen my axe a little bit. I had an axe, but it's dull. So that brings us then to where we want to begin next week. And think about, okay, how much do I have to know to teach someone else the truth? Do I have to know how to defend every false doctrine of every religious group that might and every uh, worldly uh, twisted? Do I have to know all of that? Well, if you do, you know more than I do. So all the people in the New Testament who taught others how to be saved, what did they know? What did they know? What did Philip do to the Ethiopian? He began at the same scripture and preached what to him? Jesus. He started there. I have had a lot of success with asking people. Let's imagine that we're sitting on that particular chariot. It wasn't a chariot like you see in a Roman, uh, like in the, uh, what's that movie that, I can't, yeah, that movie. Uh, it's not one of those chariots, but it was more like a, a coach. It was a royalty coach, because he could go up in it and sit down. Uh, he, he began and talked to him about Jesus. He was reading in Isaiah about the Lamb of God. Well, why would he call him the Lamb of God? And then he began, and so I'd say to people, what, do you believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God? And we read Romans, I mean, uh, John 1 and verse 29. John saw Jesus said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So, what else then? How, what do you think Philip said? And I'll never forget the last Bible study that I had with someone doing that same thing. I said, what do you think that he told the Ethiopian? Well, everything that there was to know about Jesus. Well, how do we know what to know about Jesus? Well, it's in the Bible. So in other words, he told him the things we can learn in the Bible about Jesus. So whatever it was made him say, stop, here's water, let me be baptized. So one of the things he might have told him, and that leads us to the verse, the next verse, to the next verse. And that person now is investigating the truth. What, what did Philip say? And we, we'd read a verse. Uh, Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Did Jesus say that? He did. You think Philip told the eunuch that? He must have. So we just keep, and now, eventually, what I'm trying to do is slide out of the way. And it's just that person and God. So we get to a point that said, what do you think made that fellow say, wait a minute. I want to be baptized. There's nothing about baptism in Acts 8. You know that? Except the fact he was. No command, I mean. How do you know that? Well, Jesus must have said it. You're right. Let me show you where he said it. Mark 16, 16. And all I have to know is how I became a child of God. I don't have to know volumes. I don't have to be able to write lengthy dissertations about truth. And I just have to know what the Bible says about Jesus. And I can do that. Don't you think so? 
Absolutely. Questions or comments? Well, now I know how to keep people quiet. Okay, what's the difference in you saying something and you saying it a little louder? Is there a natural field of a microphone? Okay. Questions or comments? Okay, now I want you to do this. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't even have to nod your head very much, but if, if you, unless you're willing. Um, are there any of you that say, that think, okay, I get every bit of what you're saying and I totally agree with it, but the concept of me sitting down across a table from someone and being responsible for their soul and what I say scares me to death. Anybody? I see, okay. It, that's a natural fear. Believe it or Hmm? No, you don't have to be alone. In fact, you shouldn't be alone. You shouldn't be alone. Okay? Um, that's a natural fear. Uh, we, we, that's a, I think that is an outcropping of a natural fear we have of our own failure. Uh, uh, of, of talking in front of other people or whatever, however it manifests itself with us. Uh, I teach a class called Creative Writing and in Oral Communication, and I have yet to have a class where I didn't have to have at least one student had to give that speech or read that children's book, had to do it privately. You know, Miss Sweeney, has, uh, she can attest to that because she's, my, she's off the same block. She's been my go-to for that. And they didn't have any trouble in front of me and uh, in front of Miss Sweeney. They just talked but put them in front of eight more people just like them and they stop breathing. There is a form of that, I think, that causes us to be afraid of taking that step, but you don't have to be alone. And there are some very practical ways to do it that are more effective than you might think. Okay. So that's part one. Next week, Lord willing, part two. Yes, ma'am. Jeremy, I'm sorry, I was confused there for a minute. You were actually doing what I asked you to do, and I wasn't sure what was happening. <laughs> just kidding. I was just going to say that, that would be a fear that I've had about being responsible for teaching somebody else. But since I started doing the Bible correspondence courses with the jail ministry, that's something that I've had to learn to to do better at because when they ask me questions, it actually helps me because I go search it to try to find the correct answers to give to them. I can't be face to face with them. I can, you know, just write, write that down, but I don't want to give somebody the wrong answer. So it's making me study the Bible more myself to be able to help them. That's, did you hear that? That, that is, that's exactly what will happen and what should happen. And I want to take a, a point from that. You do not. We sometimes, I'm afraid, fear that if we answer a question wrong, or let me say it this way, that we don't know the answer to someone's question, that we have failed God. You do realize that most of the apostles did not have complete knowledge until it was given to them through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they still made mistakes. 
we're never going to have complete knowledge. But to say, I don't know the answer to that. But that's a good question. I'll look it up. And we'll look at it together. Uh, and there's another thing, and then I'll leave you with this, unless there's anyone else. I, I don't, I'm not saying that I recommend you do this. But it goes back to what Brother Luther said, Brother Luther said and what uh, um, Sister Anita said. Are you willing to go into a Bible study and sit down with someone and say, listen, let's open our Bibles. If you show me that I'm wrong, then I'll convert to you, to what you're what you believe. But if the Bible shows you to be wrong, are you willing to do the same thing? Listen, I'm not afraid to do that. Uh, if you... So much for being early. Uh, if you uh, convert me, then so be it. But now, what does that say about me? I have to be rooted and grounded. I have to be persuaded to begin with, and not afraid to say, let's look for the answers. There isn't a question a human being on this planet can ask you that the Bible can't answer if it's a heavenly, if it's a spiritual question. Now, next week, Lord willing, uh, y'all have to come back uh, and don't hide the microphones. Thank you for being here. Let's, let's pray and then parents, go get your children. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to study your truth. Thank you for the power of your gospel. And may we sharpen our axes to be able to influence others with it so that souls will be saved. In Jesus we pray, amen. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Jeremy.